My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. If I'm better as a person and I wake up each day healthier, happier, sharper, fitter, I'll, um, I'll be a better investor. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're back with Matt Schrama, the former rugby league player who's now kicking goals in property investment. He will share why he became a real estate agent after retiring from professional rugby league, his current strategies that he's implemented to land the best deal and how to continue to increase cash flow and much, much more. Matt Sharma starts by revealing how many properties he currently holds in his portfolio. At the moment, there's five in the portfolio. It sits around two and a half mil with a 60% LVR. So yeah, they've all they've all done pretty well. But um, I'm I'm at the point now where, um, and this is I guess another real big lesson I've learned as well is the power of um, servicing and stuff like that, and how you can boost. Um, you know your your case to the bank, so to speak, because you know, I'm, um, you know, doing I do what I love. You know, I, I coach and do that. But to be honest, it's a really low, it's a minimum wage job, and um, being a single income earner on my own as well. Um, you know, banks banks will there's a, there's a ceiling basically, and I'm nearly at that ceiling around the two and a half three mark. Once you get to that, an asset value it's sort of like okay, there's got I'm I'm at a point now where I've I've got to sort of um, think of different ways to boost cash flow and um, look at different things like that, which which I'm, I've got in place at the moment. But um, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, there's um, there's five in there at the moment. Yeah, he reveals one of the worst investing moments he has had throughout his journey. I've got a, a quick little story on I dodged a bullet and I'm glad I did. Basically, I was looking at uh, and this is a good one for investors because. They might not realise it as well, but um, you know, I got to around my third, fourth one, and I started. No, it was my. I was looking for my third property, and I really was interested in like the dual, not dual income, not the brand new stuff, like the top upstairs, downstairs, like low, um, like the you know what I mean, like the dual living, dual living, dual oak, yeah, 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 like a dual living setup like an established one, not not brand new. So an old style property had the upstairs down. Anyways, I found this one and the, the, the ROI, like the rental yield was at nearly like 8%. And 
eight and a half percent sort of thing. And um, you know, there was there was room to manufacture equity and stuff like that. And I, I just sort of looked at, I was like, oh yeah, for sure. And then um, something happened with the ins- oh, building a pest failed on it, and so I I don't know, it just needed a bit more than a little. It was like structural sort of stuff. So I walked away from the deal, but then. Um, I did a bit more research and spoke to solicitor and property managers and stuff and then realized, um, you know, you just got to be careful with the upstairs, downstairs, if it's not legal hide and if it's not sort of by... So the guy was renting it, but it wasn't by the books or anything. It was all sort of, um, you know, under 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 grade. Cash on hand. Yeah, cash in hand and, and um, you know, for insurance, like if something happens to the tenant downstairs, you're like, like all these sorts of things and it sort of made me really because i was so interested in the yield i didn't even think about like the risk um type player if that makes sense so um that i i felt i was a better educated investor after that to really look at each property and, and assess risk first before diving into if the numbers look attractive do you do your due diligence is what i'm trying to say where I, I probably didn't do enough on that that purchase i didn't end up getting it but um yeah, which which worked out. So that was something that I, I that was a big big sort of lesson for me. And in terms of um, biggest mistake, I I'd say I would say um, um, they've all they've all been pretty pretty good. I guess I guess the only thing would be my, one of my favourite sayings now is you make your money on the way in in in, in property and. Um, probably, probably my first property, as I said, like the agent listed it at a price, and then I just sort of looked at it and said, oh, yeah, I'll offer a little bit below that. And then, you know, I mean, we come to an agreement, whatever. Uh, but knowing what I know now, I think this is a negotiation is such a cool part of the process. I think, and it's such a big one where you can make money on the way in just through a little bit of research and dialogue. And stuff like that so just little things like find out what the reason for sale is you know ask the, like i don't get why people don't ask like hey do you mind me asking what the reason for sale is here yeah i mean and obviously i ask in a kind way like yeah i mean and most of the time they'll they'll tell you and then um do your research you should know um what's selling in the area in terms of a full bed one bath you already know roughly what that and then as soon as a, a property comes on the, the market around that price and you sort of do your research and there is a bit of motivation well then you can you can sort of um judge your offers off that and and even things like terms like sometimes sometimes if the motivation's high you don't always have to negotiate on the price you can actually negotiate on the terms like the building and pest the finance and stuff like that so i always i always say to people who whenever I chat to friends or when I'm helping people is like get all your ducks lined up like your finance have your solicitor ready make sure everything's ready to go so when the right property does come you're a strong buyer and you can negotiate um, on different things like terms and, and the motivation to sale and settlement even settlement um, always ask like like is there a, is there a settlement term that would suit the seller you know make it feel like you're helping them so to speak so it's yeah, I, I found a lot of those things helped me when I was negotiating after property one that really I felt I got most of them well under market value. 
Yeah, that's really, really true because it's like trying to negotiate a win-win situation. You know, the vendors are looking to sell and actually don't mind having a longer term because they're probably looking for another place to move or they need to sell because they're having a divorce or whatever, you know, the reasons is. Negotiating the terms is probably also a key point, you know, not necessarily on price. But majority of the time, if there's an urgency, then price would obviously, you know, be a factor that plays. But yeah, all these things that you've mentioned is so, so important and simple questions but i think people just tend to overlook it because it's uh, if you're if you're not an investor it's it's quite easily looking at the property and going falling in love with it emotionally and then you know offering whatever price and then if you start seeing a lot of buyers come in you go oh hold on there's a buying frenzy here i better offer <laughs> and, and then that's that's where uh, it just takes it out of the picture so 100 percent. and you, you nailed it on the head that's one of my favorite things think of negotiation as a win-win like not you against the agent and the sellers it's like how can I um, respectfully manipulate the scenario so it's like it's a win for me, but also I got to come across as if I'm trying to help the sellers as well and, and communicate that with the agent. So, you know, even and, and get get along with the agent. I so many people are so cold to the agent. It's like be their friends. Like, oh mate, they want to get paid. So it's like work with them, man. You know, I, I always used to throw dialogue like just say the name Jim or whatever. Like Jim, mate. I know you want to get paid, man. Like, well, we'll, we'll get it done today. Let's go. You know what I mean? And they laugh with you and then we all work together. So that's how you get good deals, I reckon. Shrama reflects on the moment where everything just clicked for him. At the start and, and during, it's it's like when when you get the rental income coming in, like into your bank account and then, um, you know, your repayments, if you've, if you've bought well and, um, you know, you, you bought at the right price and you got your loan structured properly and, you know, with, with all that side of things, um, you sort of look at your balance sheet and you're like, fire out. Like, it's just like another little income. Like, it's another little job. Like, you're getting paid X amount into your bank account from one property. Imagine if you had three properties or four properties or five or ten. You know what I mean? It's like these, it's like little, Side jobs, in a way, that's how I see. I see the whole portfolio as a business, as a whole. You know what I mean? So, um, the aha moment is like I've got the. It's like it's a business. There's there's expenses, and there's things you need to manage and control, but there's also income coming in. So it's like oh, this is like this, you should take it serious. It's like this is setting you up for um, your future. Like it, so, yeah, the aha moment, I guess, is just realizing that this is bigger than just buying a property and putting a tenant in it's it's um you know providing shelter for people and getting a return on that and you're the you're the ceo of this like company if that's sort of it's kind of related in that sort of sense and I, I like to treat my portfolio in that sense like look at my spreadsheet and make sure everything's running smooth and property managers are doing what they need to do and uh, make sure the tenants are happy all that sort of stuff so um, yeah, the aha moment is like, well, yeah, it's bringing in, I'm going to bed each night and there's money coming in. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, just keep doing keep doing that. But, yeah, don't ever, and probably the the risk factor thing as well, like I never like to over leverage on anything. So um, that always helps as well. The successful investor shares at what stage he began to formulate his property strategy. It was more... Okay, let me try and get some property with all the fundamentals. Do you know what I mean? All the all the basic stuff like no high body corporate land content, houses if possible, depending on the area. Obviously, um, 
you know, all the all the usual bread and butter stuff that all educated investors know. But as I went probably third and fourth one and even where I'm at now, I'm still continual learning. I'm I'm at a stage now where I've got some really good base assets that have done really well capital growth wise and you know, they're paying for themselves, but um, maybe I can shift the strategy a little bit to look at how I can improve cash flow um, because um, cash flow is king, really. You know, capital growth um, is where the real wealth is at. I, I still believe that, but there's no point having a heap of capital growth properties if you can't hold them either and you can't sleep at night. So um, for me, it's like I want to I want to balance them. I want to balance the portfolio. So um, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty much positive at the moment. Um, I'd like to invest into like one of the big majors like your Melbourne or Sydney, um, something like that for capital growth and also something with, with cash flow. But I guess in terms of strategy, like, yeah, something something to balance each other out is what I'm trying to say. Maybe, um, yeah, I'm looking at it as a, as a macro, as a portfolio rather than the next one asset is my strategy. If that, if that sort of makes sense, yeah. Right. And I think, yeah, and I think a lot of the, best investors from what I've learned are, are sort of doing that, I guess, balancing their portfolio. He reveals some of his tips that he's currently implementing to increase his cash flow on his properties. I've spent the last two days, I've got a renovation coming up. Um, unfortunately, due to due to COVID and all that, it's unfortunate times. One of the tenants in one of my properties um, has moved out, been there since day one and, um, you know, a really good area, um, great little unit with the... Uh, two-bed unit. So this was the very first investment property um, that I got. It's the only unit in my portfolio. So, uh, they yeah, they said they're leaving, which is fine. And then I, I got that unit back then on the basis of land component. So it's a, it's in a block of um, eight. So basically, I'm a one-eighth owner of, you know, a nice big solid corner block uh, close to the water and fundamentally you know everything low body corporate old brick and it, it's really original like it's it's future it's, it's i don't like it like i would never <laughs> location wise beautiful awesome location in terms of interior yeah I, will, I don't like going in there and you know i'm i'm okay with that i left it as it is it's just getting its rent paying itself off but now seeing where it's at the tenants moved out and i've looked at how fast the um this tenant, the rental market has moved. Um, it's got some good capital growth, but now it's like, okay, I can take advantage of this rental growth now. How can I um, manufacture uh, that? So, yeah, just a simple simple renovation. Um, you know, you hear it all the time, manufacturing your own equity. So, um, yeah, through renovation, I'm just going to really do a basic, um, yeah, not overcapitalizing on anything, just kitchen, bathroom, uh, flooring, paint and lights and fans and literally that's that's it so hoping to spend the oh, max five percent of what it's worth you know somewhere around that um 10-ish 10-ish mark max and then yeah just get it it's the rent will go up done the math it should go up around 50 60 um dollars a week uh, oh sorry 40 to 50 dollars a week um based on where where is that in original condition and yeah it'll improve the capital capital value a bit but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, renovations probably a big one. If you if you're buying good on the way in, you know you've got equity there, and then I guess if you can do a simple reno, you can also add 
equity there. Yeah, so I, I always like the secondhand stuff, stock. You know, that's just my preference. Some people like brand new, but personally, I like I like secondhand stock where the land component um, is the breadwinner, finding where you know where that's going to grow, and then yeah, if I can improve the inside of it with a little Renault, well, yeah, that's that's a win in my books. But yeah, everyone's got different strategies, I guess. Coming up after the break, we hear about the kinds of resources that have contributed to Shrama's success. You've got to be educated in what you, what you do. But my go-tos, mate, are um, podcasts, like honestly, like yourself, um, the property couch is really good. The best advice he's ever received was, uh, I think it was on the, when I was on the property couch and the boys mentioned a little saying, it's like location does 80% of the heavy lifting. Um, really basic one. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. He discusses his strategy for the future and if he'll continue to buy and renovate or whether to branch out on other kinds of strategies. At this stage, probably in terms of my knowledge base, as I said, I'm a young guy and I, I by no means know much more than most people on this. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm forever learning and my capacity at the moment is just that. I don't know. I I, believe, I like um, development and stuff like that. Um, but to be honest, I just don't know enough about it. And, you know, I'm not, not one to sort of have a risk until I understand the process more than anything. And for me... I've just seen what's been working at the moment just with the buy and hold um, long term. Getting that fundamental base, I think, especially while I'm, I'm sort of in my 20s, I really just want those, those good bread and butter assets that I can keep adding value and growing. But as you said, um, now that I, I'm um, sort of got a good little foundation, yeah, I have looked into, you know, whether it's JVs or, um, you know, maybe like a dual looking at a legalized dual occupancy or flat shells or I've looked at everything, looked at all the different sorts of styles and there's nothing that um, that I'm fully educated and aware um, of the process just yet and you know that's why I love reaching out to people. So the more I'll keep learning and understanding the more I'll, I'll look into it. But um, yeah at the moment I'm 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 just looking to get rich very slow, not not sort of in the get rich quick scheme. But I do I do also believe in paying down debt as well. So um, that's a process. You know, once I get into my 30s or 40s, maybe I will do a JV or a capital play where I can pay down some debt on some of the properties. Um, you know, to really extract them even even more equity and, and put it somewhere else. So um, yeah, but yeah, just just at this stage, it's just accumulation. Yeah. Strama goes on to talk about when he was a real estate agent and what it was like. I spent one year as a real estate sales agent working uh, for McGrath Estate Agents. Yeah, that was actually, I did that as I was retiring. It was literally, I'd done my course while I was still playing. So I'd I'd finished training and do my course. And then, uh, yeah, I became a sales agent. And yeah, I I enjoyed it. I I loved the process. But then, um, yeah, I just, it sounds funny. I liked it is not. It's not really anything to do with buying. It's it's more a people game, which I, I enjoyed and I love sales. But um, yeah, I, I really wanted to get into. Hence why I've started Spies Agency. Now I 
I got out of real estate, got back into the sports sector. Um, and basically I've been in that while I'm sort of just building my buyer's agency now. But um, yeah, real estate was awesome. I learned obviously the other side of the negotiation and how to, how they market property. And um, yeah, some of the dialogue agents use. It's, um, yeah, it's really cool to know. Now, as a property investor, I always have that up my sleeve. Totally. And at least now you know how to deal with agents because you know how they play, play the game as well too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ex- exactly right. And, that, and that's why I can't stress enough is like, Man, they're they're doing the they're doing their job, so give them give them their respect. I know there is some out there, you know, that there are some egos in the in the game, but at the end of the day, um, just through dialogue and um, simple tactics, you can actually um, really extract a lot out of the agent in, in that scenario of buying property. So, um, yeah, it's cool to know both sides of the of the coin, I guess. He shares with us the kinds of resources that have helped him along his journey. Yeah, shout out to YouTube. They were great old YouTube. <laughs> yeah, YouTube just got everything and anything, doesn't it? It's um, I used to just type in like property investing, and then you'd you'd see yeah, oh, you see everything, don't you? Like the dudes in front of a Lamborghini, and then you just like, what the hell? Like seriously, <laughs> and then like saying you can get rich to retire in twenty four hours. It's like no. I'm not doing that. Um, so yeah, you got to be careful of what what's out there as well. There's a lot of there's a bit of everything everywhere. So you got to be educated in what you what you do. But my go-to's mate uh, um, podcast, like honestly, like yourself, um, the Property Couch is really good. Bryce and Ben, I've been on their podcast a few times. Um, they're they're really good. They're changing the game, I think, in a positive sense. And also. Um, uh, Australian Smart Property Investment podcast, they're really good. Your podcast, there's a few out there, and then also just, 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 um, just books, books, and um, and not even so much about um, finance. But the finance books are great, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and all those sorts of ones. But mindset, I think mindset's a big one. Like understanding yourself, being self-aware, and um, personal growth, like understanding. Um, how you react to things and like human behavior and um, yeah mind, I think mindset's huge because if you're not confident in anything you know what I mean if you're not confident as an investor you'll make irrational decisions and as you know like you, you've got to be clear headed so I, I love stuff where it's like how can I be the best version of Matt's drama as a, just as a person not as an investor because if I'm better as a person and I wake up each day healthier happier sharper fitter I'll um, I'll be a better investor, and that that stuff will come. But I don't think you can be a great investor or great anything, great athlete, anything if you are not looking after you and your brain and your your health. So yeah, I love the personal development books, podcasts, and YouTube. Yeah. Is there any one particular book that you'd recommend that people could read about mindset or personal development that you've really enjoyed? We could go on for days in this section, <laughs> but um. No, no. <laughs> to save the save the bore the boredom of all your your listeners, like I, I love personal. I'm one of their personal growth junkies. But um, um, get onto an actually just a quick one for the to add value. There's a there's a really cool app called Blinkist. I'm, I'm not like paid for or anything. Don't worry. But um, that Blinkist app's cool. It's like shortened audio books in like 15 minutes of all the best personal development, finance, negotiate, like all personal development books. 
Um, you can digest them in 15 minutes. So I listen to basically a new book every day when I make my smoothie. So it's, um, it's been unreal like in terms of that sense. But some just off the top of my head without looking into my list, um, a really cool basic one is this is just like um, more for relationships and people is that how to win friends and influence people. I really like that. Like just I think to you need to have interpersonal communication skills and be able in any form of life, I think. Like um and I think it helps with investing as well, like when you're talking to agents and stuff like that and negotiating. Um what's another one? Um the ha- seven habits of highly effective people is a really cool oldie, just a nice basic one. Um and yeah, there's oh, Tools of Titans a good one. Yeah, there's 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 heaps out there. There's heaps out there. Out of out of the maze. There's one called Out of the Maze that that one really struck with me and that one's um about like um when things don't go to plan in life and resilience and stuff like that. So those sort of things I think are good because as an investor and as a human, you know, not everything goes to plan. You know what I mean? So it's um I think it's important to know how to deal with things like that so you're still sharp. Shrama reflects on the best advice he has ever received throughout his journey. Always had plenty of advice. Like I love quotes and stuff like that. Probably um, one that just sticks out just as you said it was, uh, I think it was on the, when I was on the property couch and the boys mentioned a little saying, it's like location does 80% of the heavy lifting. Um, really basic one, so basic. And I know there's a lot of variables to that, but if you have that in mind, like it's pretty true. Like you, yeah, it does do most of the lifting, like location um, could be, it could be the best prop in the world, but if it's in a poor location, you know what I mean? It's, it's you know what I mean? It, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, I think location does most of most of the lifting. And yeah, the one I said before is like you make you can make your money on the way in. If he had some time to reflect on his past self ten years ago, we find out what he would have said to himself. I would say, be patient. Be patient uh, is a big one. Um, be patient and play the long game. Just play the long game. It's um, oh, and and be patient. Play the long game with consistency. So keep doing the little things that make a big difference, but keep doing them every day. If you don't see results in the first two weeks, six months, whatever, if they're but you're slow, you're getting little results. Keep doing it and keep keep keep. Staying consistent with it. I think anything worth having in life, I think, whether it's property, whether it's sport, whether it's life, anything worth having won't happen overnight. It's going to take um, persistence and hard work regardless. So keep being persistent with it. Keep refining your strategies as you go. Um, and yeah, don't ever think you know it all because once you think you know it all, that's when that's when you, you're in danger, I think. Yeah. Shrama <laughs> looks forward to the future where he shares what is happening for him in the upcoming five years. The next five years, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for 2020 and beyond, obviously. Um, I'm at a place now, um, you know, within the portfolio where I felt, um, you know, I, I understand uh, a little bit more than what I did than the last one, which is obviously each one I keep learning more. So um, I'm really, I've got a lot more clarity with what I want within the portfolio and I understand the game of finance a lot more now. So 
um, which has obviously led me to wanting to become an entrepreneur now. So it's like I don't want to ceiling on my um, borrowing capacity so I can keep going. And the next five years for me is about, yeah, accumulation and um, building building a business and becoming an entrepreneur and, and really delving into that space. Um, yeah, it's been something I've always wanted to do. So, um, yeah, become an entrepreneur and also, um, yeah, just just um, with with the coaching, I want to keep coaching kids and stuff like that. I get a lot of fulfillment out of that. And, yeah, just on a personal level, um, yeah, keep keep um, working hard and, and staying, as you said, just staying consistent with everything and keep learning. Last question for you, Matt, is how much of your success is due to your skill, intelligence and hard work or how much of it is luck? Good question. I would say um, I would say we create our own luck, to be honest. I've, nothing nothing annoys me more when because um, it used to happen in sport a lot when when people would say, oh, he's so lucky. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, People don't see behind the scenes, and, and to a degree, yeah, that sometimes it's right place, right time. But um, I think we, what's the saying? I think we um, we we have to prepare for when those opportunities come. So, um, for instance, if a lucky opportunity does come, where somehow the universe is aligned, and and um, so for in, in property terms, like a deal just comes to play, like that like a unicorn deal and you're like if you're not prepared if you don't know the process if you don't know how to negotiate on the, you know what I mean you'll miss that opportunity same in sport like if you've got called in the NRL um, for next week and you haven't been doing all your little things like you haven't been sleeping well you've been on you know you've been going out drinking and stuff like that you're you're going to go into that opportunity um, and not take it with both hands so I think um, a lot of it is hard work and as we said staying consistent boring as it sounds staying consistent being disciplined around your why and why you're doing it and then when that luck does come because I believe everyone's got luck you know everyone's got um, little points of life where the universe meets and um, but yeah some of us don't take advantage of it and some of us are prepared and we, we nail it when it comes so um, I think I think that's the most important thing. It's perspective as well. Like some people can't see the luck that's in their life. They're just looking at all the negatives. So um, perspective is a big one. Thank you to Matt Schrama, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey and get a copy of the show notes on the website, head over to propertyinvestory.com forward slash notes. The show notes will give you the inside scoop of the little gold nuggets of wisdom all our guests share from their backstory and all the overall strategies and philosophies. Plus, you'll get a copy of their advice broken down and shared in a quick and easy to consume format. Just head over to propertyinvestory.com forward slash notes and download it today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. 
What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.